and Warm Trophy Kids podcast. It is the college football national betting preview episode. It's going to be a good one. I'm going to go ahead and go through the national championship game, break down every angle, give out a bet at the end like we always do. It's been a very good season for the Trophy Kids listeners. I appreciate you guys. We've had another winning season, nice 42 and 29 heading into this episode for bets. Give it out on this podcast and through our social at Trophy Kids Pod on both Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. So make sure you check us out. But a nice 42 and 29. So another winning season in the books from a college football standpoint. Hopefully you're enjoying the NFL show. That episode is out. Go check that out if you haven't checked that one out yet. Um, but I want to do a quick little recap of the semifinal games, and then we'll go ahead and I'll, I'll break down the national championship game. We got a lot right. Got some things wrong in, in the semifinals, but from a betting standpoint, Absolutely nailed it. Hopefully you were able to kind of digest the information and, and take some action. We hit both overs. That was the, the two bets given out. Talked about sprinkling a little on the Washington side for the Texas-Washington game. Thought Michigan was going to go ahead and pull out the win against Alabama. And let's start there because that is something we got a lot right on on that side. And I think from, from a sports media perspective, I think I did a really good job of kind of being honest about what this Alabama team was heading into the semifinals. Uh, a unit that was not as big of a juggernaut as we've seen Alabama be. A lot of, I think, people went into the season just assuming Alabama was going to be Alabama again. And there were some deficiencies, especially on the offensive side of the ball, because virtually every group was down from the prototypical Alabama team and I think that was a reflection of just the changing landscape in college football we saw way more parity in the sport it's why we have a Washington Michigan type national championship game there was a lot closer games you know the powerhouses just didn't have the same type of juice that they normally do um, in this season and, and you saw it the wide receiver room was not your prototypical wide receiver room that we've come accustomed to at Alabama. The offensive line was considerably down compared to the units of the past. And the quarterback position was the real kind of linchpin of it all as to how successful they were going to be. Talked a lot about Jalen Miro that this season, but leading into this game, it was something about the idea that really in, in Georgia really kind of put that to the test and his inability to be consistent in the short to intermediary type of games. Um, and we thought that if Michigan could kind of contain him in the pocket, eliminate the deep ball, that they were going to have some issues. And that's exactly what happened. And, and I identified specifically the interior part of that Alabama offensive line center and guard position where Michigan was really going to be able to expose them. And Michigan absolutely was nightmare fuel on that defensive line. One of the best, if not the best defensive lines in college football this season with just how deep they are and you saw that they just ran basic stunts in the early part of that game and it was causing absolute havoc especially on the internal part of that Alabama offensive line and then the center issues you know that's been an issue all season the snaps and what did Michigan do they just lined a nose tackle right over him and now not only does he have to worry about his ability to snap the ball accurate but now he's got this guy lined up directly over him and I definitely think that exacerbated the issue so Props to Michigan on that kind of coaching wrinkle they threw in there. Um, but, but this was something that that was talked about um, at length. You know, Bill O'Brien caught a lot of flack for his comments towards Jalen Milrow about potentially switching positions. But if we're being honest about it, this Alabama, this year's Alabama coaching staff didn't have like a ton of faith in him. It's why he got benched earlier in the season for that in that University of South, South Florida game. Um, it's why in the spring they went out and got Tyler Buckner to come in, a lacrosse player now, um, to try to see if if he could play. 
um, because there were concerns about his ability and and kind of he just kind of sits back there and pats the ball and, and doesn't really go through the progressions. And I think moving forward, if Alabama wants to compete for a national championship, there has to be sort of a big time development in that part of his game, his ability to kind of go through the progressions quickly, know where to be with the football, be on time with the football and be able to hit the the short to intermediary stuff. Because a lot of that stuff was open in the Georgia game, um, especially that he just kind of missed on and, and give Michigan its credit. The defensive line was spectacular. You flip the side. This was something that was going to be an interesting battle. And we talked about, you know, Donovan Edwards needing to be more part of the passing game. He wasn't, they didn't need him, but it was something where the offense was sort of exactly what we expected that they were going to have success running the football, especially internally in, in the, beefier part of that offensive line. The Zinter injury certainly, you know, was a factor, but I thought they did a great job without him uh, on the offensive line. So kudos to them there. But more specifically, the Michigan coaching staff, fantastic job. They threw in wrinkles throughout that. I mean, looks that Alabama had no idea was coming because they didn't throw it out during the regular season. And this is a credit to Michigan, and I think this comes from the experience of being in this spot so often in recent history and taking lessons from it this entire season, they just ran a very vanilla offense because they knew for the vast majority of their games, with the exception of two Penn state and Ohio state, they weren't going to have to run anything crazy to win those games. They had better talent. They're trying to set the record for NFL draftees this season. Um, and they could just kind of line up and kick your butt with just running basic stuff. And then they saved a ton of stuff while working through the season on that and threw it into this game. I mean, they went even back to 2019. I don't know if you guys caught this, but JJ McCarthy in his post-game interview even talked about how they went back and they looked at that game and they pulled out specific things that they thought could be successful again because at the end of the day, Nick Saban's defense is about the same year-to-year concept-wise. I mean, small tweaks here and there. Um, and that was the part that that led to sort of Alabama being outcoached a bit. Now, I don't think it was a huge difference, like so many people want to say, because at the end of the day, Alabama coached pretty damn well. I mean, you saw it in the second half. They dominated the third quarter based on adjustments they made at halftime. They, yes, they came out and, and they were getting a bunch of looks from the Michigan offense that they weren't used to or accustomed to, and they didn't really know how to defend it. But then they go to halftime, they make adjustments, they coach the kids up. Third quarter comes, they absolutely stifle that offense. And then the fourth quarter comes and some things happen. I mean, you need an insane play from Roman Wilson on a bad throw by J.J. McCarthy to really open things up. Um, Things just kind of broke Michigan's way a little bit there. But I thought the Alabama coaching staff did a a good job with what they had. It just, this was a down Alabama team. Um, And a Michigan coaching staff that did a phenomenal job in preparing their team into throwing in wrinkles. Um, and that sets them up great for their national championship game. Uh, and then you get the the Washington-Texas game. And that broke down just about as we thought it would. Now, I did think Texas was going to potentially pull out the win because I gave them a slight advantage due to the trench play. But I ultimately said, do not be surprised if Washington wins this game with just how good they have been. The fact that Penix is a cool, calm, collective 
field general at the quarterback position, all the offensive talent, the ability for them to get healthier and Kalen DeBoer getting a month to prep for this game um, and the defensive staff more specifically, and I'll talk about that in a second, getting a month to prepare for Texas in that time frame and that ability. Like, don't be surprised if they win this game. So go ahead and, and, and take them on the spread. Take the over for sure. Uh, because the Texas secondary was a weak point. And I want to highlight that one specific point. Texas's secondary was a weak point this season for sure. But they played really good in that championship game. Like they upped their play. The problem was, was Penix was insanely lethal with the football. I mean, some of the best passes you will see all season in college football happen in that game. And the wide receivers just making some insane concessions contested catches constantly like this is a group that can make contested catches but it it, it was constant throughout the game like and, and I had talked about Penix's ability to elude pressure and just how elite of a trait that was for him and, and you saw that in that game and his ability to elude the pressure that Texas was bringing in the interior part of that defensive line from their defensive tackles Sweat and Murphy fantastic um Penix was able to elude that, reset his feet, reset his eyes, and deliver an accurate ball, which he has an elite ability to do. And that was a game changer for Washington. And the fact that Texas is edge defense alignment were basically neutralized. So they were getting great pressure interiorly, which we thought, which I thought they would. Penix was able to elude and then beat them on the back end, even though the Texas secondary was damn good. I think the difference maker was actually on the offensive side of the ball for Texas. And something I was concerned about was that kind of slow start. And we saw it with Quentin Ewers and not being able to really push the ball down the field. And I think Washington correctly understood the assignment that Stark was going to get a little too aggressive because he has that tendency. And we see that with some really good offensive play callers. They often abandon the run too early. And I think we saw that in the Texas-Washington game where they were being successful running north and south on that Washington defense, but they abandoned it early. Ewers was not as accurate as he needed to be with it. You weren't getting big chunk plays. Everything was sort of short and intermediary. And that really stifled the, the Texas offense. And then, you know, in the back end of the game, you get that red zone opportunity. And I talked about that in the preview where Washington's red zone defense had gotten significantly better towards the end of the season. This was a defense. You still gave up tons of yards, but when they got to the red zone and the short, short field shortened, this Washington defense stepped up throughout this, the back part of the end of the season. And this Texas offense had declined, especially since the Brooks injury. And we saw that. And I think what we really saw was while Ewers is a very good college quarterback, he's a talented kid. He doesn't always know. And I think it was, I want to say it was Joe Klatt who said this, and I thought it was really good, so I'm stealing his analogy. But it was, Quentin Ewers doesn't know what pitch to throw at the right time. And that was highlighted on that very last play, where instead of throwing it just on a, a line, throwing an absolute dart because the, the corner is playing a little off. You've got that little bit of separation. You got to throw it on a rope and a dart, and you probably get a touchdown there. Maybe not. Maybe there's still a fantastic play by the DB, but your your chances increase dramatically to capitalize on that play. And instead, he floats the ball. 
like he had done in the previous attempt. And that gave the corner enough time to come up and make a spectacular play. Like that's going to be taught to every secondary in the country. Like that, that play will be on everybody's practice films, teaching their DBs how to play a ball like that. And so that was a bit of an issue. And and ultimately that that's where Texas falls short. And I think Xavier Worthy's injury was certainly something that hampered them a little bit. Yes, he was able to run vertically still, but you saw his lateral movement just wasn't there with his injury. And Texas falls a little short here. I still think they're in a great position moving into the SEC. I think they're they're recruiting at a level that's going to allow them to be very competitive next year, especially in the trenches again. That offensive line, I thought, was a year ahead of schedule. Defensively, they're still going to be extremely good, even though you're going to lose your two best options to the NFL. But, you know, it, it's going to be a good unit. Washington, though, was fantastic. And they set themselves up very nicely for this national championship game. It's nearly impossible to guard these three NFL caliber wide receivers. It's like pick your poison. Penix was fantastic. The coaching staff was fantastic. And now we've got an absolute fantastic matchup between Michigan and Washington. Line is set at four and a half over under 56 and a half. Let's talk about it, folks. Let's talk about the first part of this game that I really want to talk about. And that is the Michigan-Washington Offense versus the Michigan defense. And this is, a, 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 I think, a very big point of interest for a lot of people because the national stage was just set. The nation saw how great Michael Penix in this offense can be, especially in the passing game. You've got three NFL caliber wide receivers. You can't really cover them all. And Penix to his credit, and really to everybody's credit on this team, this this highlights how well-coached this Washington team is. It also highlights their experience. I don't know if we'll ever see a team in the national championship. We won't. We won't see another team as experienced in the national championship game because they have so many players that are six-year seniors because of COVID. I think they got like nine total guys. Like, it, it's crazy. But they all know where to be. They all know their assignments. They all do their job. It's really a well-oiled machine. And so the issue here, I think, is the Dylan Johnson injury. He's going to play. He's going to give it a go. But if they can't present some type of threat on the ground, and they showed now that Penix is healthier, which we had speculated you know, earlier in the season, or I should say towards the back end of the season, where there was that month lull in his play, and this Washington team was playing a ton of close games, and it's really what kind of derailed his Heisman hopes at the end of the day uh, was that about that month where he really struggled to the back end. It was due to injuries, but now you get healthy and you had a month to prepare for Texas. And now you got a week here for Michigan. Um, you've got to present a run threat. Now Penix presented one on the ground. They used him as a designated runner, which I thought was great. But if Johnson can't really be there, how does this offense find success against Michigan? I think they're going to find some success here. For Michigan, it's the bend-don't-break approach. And this is something, too, that I think we need to highlight a little bit here is that this Michigan defense is built for this type of offense. you got to think big picture here, folks. For years, they were getting absolutely clobbered by Ohio State, who likes to run this spread offense, high speed, great wide receiver talent, really good quarterback play. And so... Michigan had an internal change defensively, and they started to build a defense from a recruiting standpoint and from a philosophy standpoint that could 
control the Ohio State offense. Now, this year, the Ohio State offense is obviously down. But this is not something that I don't think Michigan is necessarily scared of because they are specifically built to try to handle offenses, one offense in particular, that has insane wide receiver talent and a really good quarterback. Now, they're getting it in Washington, and they have yet to see a team this capable through the air. They haven't seen anything like that all season. But their philosophies and the guys they've recruited and the defensive concepts have been in place now for a couple years, all gearing to beat Ohio State within mind. But now they're going to apply those concepts to Washington here. And so if you can't get an established run game to give you some balance, something that they have to you know, respect, and they can just kind of drop everybody back and allow that defensive line to go to work against that offensive line, I think that becomes an interesting dynamic. Because I don't think Washington or I don't think Michigan's defense fears, you know, giving up the big play as long as it doesn't result in a touchdown. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I think they're going to be totally fine if you're breaking off big explosive plays that lead you to having drives within the red zone. Because once that field shortened, well, now that Michigan defense has an edge. And I think when we look at the battle of Washington's offensive line versus the Michigan defensive line, it's an awesome battle. It's a battle within the battle. This is the the Joe Moore Award winners in Washington. I don't know if they necessarily win that award if Michael Penix isn't their quarterback. Because as I highlighted and we've highlighted, Michael Penix's elite skill is his ability to elude pressure within the pocket, reset his eyes and reset his feet and deliver an accurate ball. Like he's able to feel that pressure, shift around it, know exactly where he needs to go to the ball, reset his eyes, reset his feet in perfect timing and deliver an accurate ball. It's fantastic. It is an elite trait he has. It's one of those things where if you draft him in the NFL draft, yes, you have injury concerns and the age concerns, but I think the one thing you don't have concern is if your offensive line's bad, his ability to maneuver at that place. So that's going to help give him, you know, in hopefully an easier transition to the NFL. It's something that is certainly going to come into play here. This Washington offensive line just saw a Texas defensive line that is fantastic but it is not nearly as deep as this Michigan offensive line that can rotate a ton of guys in to keep them fresh. It doesn't have the Texas Stevens line doesn't have the same stability at the edges that Michigan has. So while Texas has better top end talent and sweat and Murphy, I think than what Michigan presents, Michigan has way better average. Like I do believe this is the best defensive line in the country right now. And so, and I've said that they're top three offense their defense line all year. They're my number one pick at defense line. Um, they're what sort of Georgia has been the last couple of years, I think, in that defensive room. And so what does that battle look like? I think that becomes very interesting. But you've got the three wide, three NFL wide receivers. You got a guy who knows how to dial it up. And more importantly, you got Kanlon DeBoer, who is one of the best game script writers there is. Those first couple series where they have a game script written out based on what he has seen on tape and what he wants to do from an offensive standpoint is phenomenal. Washington almost always scores on their first possession. They're fantastic in the first quarter. So I think that's an area from a gambling standpoint worth a look at is, you know, maybe a Washington, maybe an over in the first quarter. It's only sitting at 12 and a half right now. I kind of like that, you know, both teams scoring here. We'll talk about the Michigan offense here in a second, but more specifically Washington's ability to kind of hang in the first half, I, I think is worth looking at. Now you flip the ball 
and you get the Michigan offense versus this Washington defense. And this is where this could be a, a problem because in all the scenarios that could play out, I don't foresee a way in which Washington blows out Michigan because of what Michigan matches up offensively versus this Washington defense. And let's get this also out of the way too. Like, these are two very contrasting styles of football teams clashing, which makes this awesome because styles make fights, styles make games. Same concept here. You have a Michigan offense that at the end of the day is something that that Washington really hasn't seen in the Pac-12 this season, and that is a heavy set. We are going to look to pound the rock and basically take your legs out from under you, especially late in the game. Michigan does not have the explosive running game that they've had in the past couple of years due to injuries. Like I, the Blake Quorum injury has, I know he just had a record setting Rose bowl, but it has certainly limited his explosiveness. Still very good running back, but it, this, and with the Donovan Edwards injuries to his lower body, this offense has become less explosive running in more. Let's get three to four yards. We're okay with that. Keeping standard downs, pounding the rock, and then you're eventually, we're just going to wear you down over the course of the game, and we're going to be successful still running the ball and picking up yards so that we're not in these third and long situations where you can just try to tee off on our quarterback. Um, And they're totally cool with that. And that becomes a problem for Washington because this Washington defense has not been very successful at stopping the run. They sort of allow those three- to four-yard runs. And if you're the Washington defense, what you want to do is you want to set up Michigan in third and longs because you have Braylon Braylon Trice, who is phenomenal. And he'll get after him. Like, I'm not totally sold on the tackles' abilities for Michigan to contain Braylon Trice, who travels too. Like, he will travel and find the weaker point in the weakest link here out of these two tackles, and he'll attack it, the one that he thinks he has the advantage of. And, and J.J. McCarthy is not a consistent enough quarterback, I don't think, to handle that moment if he's constantly in third and longs. We saw that in the Alabama game. Like, the biggest play with Roman Wilson was Roman Wilson adjusting to a ball that gets slightly tipped and is overthrown. He goes up and makes a spectacular play. But, like, J.J. McCarthy struggled there, and he has struggled in those positions. And we, we even saw after the first play, yeah, it gets, you know, called back as not a pick because the DB was out of bounds. But even after that, like Sharon Moore doesn't seem to have a ton of confidence. He, he greatly restricts the Michigan passing game. It's not so much downfield. It's I think he ended up having an eight out of like five or six yards. I want to say. So that becomes a concern. Like that's ultimately Washington's dream scenario is. And I think they're going to load the box. Michigan's used to playing though against loaded boxes. They've seen it all season long. They've been successful. They run these heavy sets that Washington has not seen. Washington does give up some rushing yards. Um, They're going to try to load the box and and dare them to throw, I think against this Washington secondary. Um, And then from there, sorry, had a bit of an outage there. Um, Lost, lost internet for a second. So the whole thing went down. Um, So, yeah, I, I think Washington ultimately is going to want to challenge this wide receiver room to go out and make some plays because Jabahari Muhammad on the Washington secondary, really good. And the secondary is a little bit down for sure for Washington. 
it's not like this elite level talent, but it's good enough, I think, against this matchup. So ultimately, I think from a Washington standpoint, they're more nervous about these heavy sets gaining, you know, these three to four yards at a clip every once in a while, breaking off an explosive because the blocking steam works out perfectly and you're able to find that seam and expose that. Um, and maybe Donovan Edwards, this is the point where they really utilize him. Like I thought they were going to utilize him in the Alabama game where you get him matched up against linebackers. You utilize him in the pass game because I think he could really have some pop and explosiveness for this uh, team. And so that is where I think we start to see, you know, the Michigan offense. Special teams is certainly going to be a concern. Um, nobody apparently practiced special teams heading into the semifinal games. I, I do think that it will be better, obviously, this this go around. Um, you know, if, if Michigan doesn't have the special team issues that they had in the Alabama game, they're winning that by at least two scores, um, if not more. Like, Alabama hung around in that game because from a special team's edge, they absolutely clobbered Michigan. Um, and Michigan made a lot of dumb mistakes. And, and, and so I think the same principle applies. You know, I, I have more confidence in Washington playing from behind in this game. But... I don't have like Washington's going to probably get out to a little bit of a fast start. You know, they're going to go pedal to the metal early. Caitlin DeBoer is going to look to really kind of get this thing going from the passing standpoint. I think Michigan's going to try to choke the life out of Washington and just really kind of beat them down with heavy sets, clouded, you know, three yards in a clouded dust type of mentality. Set JJ up for, you know, third and shorts if they're going to go ahead and pass it. I don't think they'll be ultra aggressive. But then again, this Michigan staff probably has got stuff in the bag. We I talked about it with the Alabama game. You know, this is the staff that, that doesn't put a lot on film during the season because they don't have to. And they save a ton of stuff that they've been working on all season for these big games and these big time moments. And that comes from learned experience of failing in the college football playoff and failing in big time spots and, and exposing things early in the season. And they just don't do that anymore. They, they save everything from here. Um, and they're going to find some opportunities. I think at the end of the day, Michigan's going to win this football game. And I've doubted, I know I know I've doubted Washington all season long. You know, we, we rightly identified them. I think if Washington is going to win this football game, it's going to take something spectacular and amazing from Penix. Like it's going to be out of this world type of performance from the Washington offense. I just think at the end of the day, when I, when I really break this down, the way I see it is I, I see Washington getting big explosive plays that get them to the red zone, but then they're having to settle for a lot of field goals. And this Michigan team just running three yards in a clouded dust being very successful in the rushing game, pounding the rock, wearing them down, not allowing them to not being in these kind of third and long situations where Braylon Trice can kind of just tee off on JJ. And you're not putting JJ in these compromised positions where he's really got to go out and make some plays. And I think Michigan wins the national championship game. And I I think that's, that's probably where you're going to lie. Now from a Washington standpoint, I don't hate, you know, taking them first half maybe or taking the points first half because I think they are going to come out to a fast start and then maybe betting Michigan in the second half because, you know, the legs start to go out from underneath you. But I think the Dylan Johnson injury is significant. I do think that Michigan's defense is built for this exact type of team to kind of bend and don't break mentality that they've sort of developed over the last couple of years in an attempt to beat Ohio state, what they have done consecutively now 
consistently now. Um, and that's ultimately the game and the standard here. So I I do like Michigan. Um, I'll probably tweet out some other bets on Monday. So make sure you're following at Trophy Kids Podcast. Um, hopefully you enjoyed that breakdown. I, I want to thank you guys so much from the bottom of my heart for, for being with us this season, for supporting us, for continuing to listen. I'm glad that we could have another successful season. Um, you know, 42 and 29 from a betting standpoint this year. Fantastic. Another winning season. Hopefully we can make that 43 and 29 if we don't include any other bets outside of the one just given here. Um, and, and we'll go from there. The NFL podcast is still coming out. We've struggled definitely in the NFL season, sitting at about 44, 54% uh, win rate from a betting standpoint right now. That's where I'm sitting at. Michael's been doing fantastic. Um, but the playoffs is where we we always we always make up a huge amount of ground. Last year, we didn't lose a single game against the spread, uh, and we took every game. Um, so hopefully, I don't think we're going to repeat that performance again, but we're generally very successful. So hopefully, you enjoy that. Hopefully, you check that out. Thank you so much um, for supporting us this season, for listening in. And hopefully we go out and we make some money here in the college football game and, it, and it's a good one. So as always, peace.